Well, thank you everyone for coming out. Uh, it's really this series that we've been going through in, has been so eye-opening, and I hope a lot of you guys can get good notes. Uh, Ellen got that the last week's podcast up, and so if you guys have had a chance, like there's so much to spend so fast, and so many key items that like the second time through I hear something different, the third time through I hear something different, and so I encourage you guys just to to grab onto it, to know it, uh, to have it within you that you truly uh, understand to the point you can teach. Um, and there's so much power in being a, a family or a people that doesn't settle for just good. Like we see this need, this revelation that good has potential to rob us from what's true. And, and being ones that will not stop. Like when it feels weird, looks weird, sounds weird, that we don't stop. That we press through to where we find truth. That it's our truth though. Not just truth is spent, but our truth. Yeah. And that's why when I say to the point you can teach, mm-hmm. there's a power in knowing because you'll have your own personal revelation. There's things that Yahweh speaks to me just when I hear it again. And, and as I chew on something else, it changes again. And my desire for correct trajectory is what this whole family is pursuing. And so uh, really grateful for everything that's been uh, being released. I, I have never had my eyes open to something that's changed everything that I read so much. Mm-hmm. Almost like a, uh, yeah, sure. I don't know what you would call it, but a way to read a code or a way to mm-hmm. read a map mm-hmm. that I've never known was there. And, and so it's been very beautiful. So um, as we begin, uh, this is our Shabbat. We're going to have the mother of the home, the glory of our home. <laughs> Uh, light our Shabbat candles. I'll move them over. Encourage you to do that. And with that, Mom and Dad. Amen. Thanks, Derek. Um, so, as you guys know, uh, Megan got on Boxer and she kind of, as she does every week, and kind of um, prepped us all. And one of the things she talked about was. How quickly the day season is approaching so we only have a few more weeks um, only one more teaching one more teaching yeah. one more night of activation and then we're going to be in the day season <laughs> I have like a whole part I'm like oh it's over wait <laughs> but um, I think what I wanted to do tonight was to take time to practically talk about how to how to properly close out the night season and kind of give an overview of the night season. What was the point of it? What did we start out, you know, setting ourselves to do? Um, what was the purpose of the entire night season so that we can come full circle and be prepared to properly step into the day season. Um, So going all the way back, what was the purpose for our night season this night season? What did Yahweh direct us to do? What was the the objective or the big thing that we were tackling? The greatest lie. The greatest lie. I didn't hear. Oh, I was just saying covenant was like the initial, and then that turned into like dismantling what? Yeah. 
Yeah. So we set out to expose, as Mom said, the biggest lie ever told in Christianity. Right? And what's the biggest lie? Just like in a few words. Like what's the biggest lie that we have dismantled over the course of the night season? Huh? That he died so I can just be lawless. Right. Pretty much. Pretty much. So so our whole objective for the night season was to bring exposure to a system of Christianity, of religion that we've been a part of or a, a cycle that we've been a part of generationally that perpetuates this misconception or this lie, this falsehood, whatever you want to call it, right? Deception. Sometimes the word deception is a little too strong because people think, oh, you're being too harsh or whatever, but whatever you want to call it, maybe it was good, right? Like we talked about last week, but we're after the truth. And so even the good parts of this system that we've been involved in generationally, indoctrinated in, whatever, you know, these misconceptions that have been passed down through generations, literally, um, our goal was to basically expose that. Yeshua came to fulfill the law and what all that means, right? Um, I, I I was thinking about it and, and just trying to be able to sum kind of this transition up that we've gone through in the most concise way possible. And the best way I can think about it is that, generally speaking, what happened was as people over time, we went from the religion, uh, going from a religion that Yeshua engaged in himself to a religion about Jesus, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. we should be looking to Yeshua as the way to the Father, right? right? He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's the way to the Father, and the only way you can get to the Father is through him, right? It talks about that in, in uh, the book of John. I can't remember the verse right now, but Yeshua is a vessel. He's, a, he's, a, he's the way. He's the straight. He's the narrow of narrows to get to the Father, right? He always points to the Father. So what we've gone from is the religion of, of Yeshua to making a religion about him, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So yeah. instead of looking at what Yeshua is looking yeah. at, yeah. we're looking right. at him as the religion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's and kind of... He never wanted to have it pointed at himself. Right. It's not who he is. So what happened is, is over time, that's what Christianity begins to focus on. And a lot of things are starting to make sense, right? We've talked about... Mom has talked about years ago, it's not, we're not working to the cross, but from the cross. In other words, you don't stop at salvation. The whole point of salvation is so you can be sanctified, right, through a process of growth and maturity so that you're not tossed to and fro by waves of doctrine and all these things, right? It's never, we can't look at Jesus and stop and look at Jesus. We can't just stop there. Because he's the way or the he's the means through which, from his own words, you get to the Father. Right? So he's he's a midpoint, he's a midway point. 
right? And so generally speaking, over the course of time, we have gone from doing what we see Yeshua doing to focusing on Yeshua as our religion. Now, over the course of the night season, we have untwisted all of that to now where we're going back to a place to where we are restoring who he called us to be and we're engaging in Yeshua's religion that he engaged in. We're not making him the religion anymore. Okay? Now, now, obviously, we understand. We're not saying that he's not part of that process. Obviously, he is the way. He is the means which we, we get to the Father. He's the only way, right? But you can see how after this night season, we have gone through a process of, of untwisting things and, and saying we don't know, right? We started out the night season saying we don't know. And we had to do that because if you think you know, you're not going to leave room for uh, your whatever you've been taught, whatever you've been discipled in. You're not going to leave room for growth or discipleship in terms of what you don't know, right? Unless you come in humbly saying, I don't know. I don't. There may be things in my history that have been passed down that, that they didn't know, right? Former pastors, former leaders, parents, whatever. There may have been things that they don't know, and they were just teaching what they were told, yeah. right? Um, our our hope and our prayer is that as this night season has gone on, uh, hey, how you doing, Evan? Good. Good. Yeah. Hey. We're just kind of recapping our last several uh, months with the night season. Um, one of the things that I I think is a byproduct, and you guys can all you know agree to this or not, but from from our point of view. One of the goals and hopefully one of the byproducts of going through this night season was that we are cultivating an environment where everybody's willing to wrestle with the word. Right? These these teachings and these things that we've been releasing, this truth that we've been releasing, demands that you wrestle with the word. Right? And it demands it in a way that you can you can still choose not to wrestle with what's been happening. But it puts you it puts you in a bad place, puts you in a dangerous place if you just say I'm not going to wrestle with that, right? Basically, in other words, we're having to reconcile actually with the word itself, right? Rather than being sideline commentators. Yeah. A lot of Christianity, generally speaking, you can you can engage in commentary from the sideline. You don't actually have to wrestle with the word, right? When when Jacob wrestled with the word, his name changed, his identity changed, and people could tell that he had wrestled with the truth, right? Can can people people are going to be able to tell that you guys have wrestled with the truth because of what we've engaged in this night season, right? We're no longer uh, giving commentary on the sidelines. And I think because of the process that we've gone through, it's easy for it's easy for you to tell 
when somebody else has wrestled or, or, or if they're simply just giving commentary from the sideline. Meaning they're not – it's easy for somebody to sit back and just regurgitate what they've heard about what you're wrestling with. So I want our family as we step into the day season to be confident that you've engaged in a process to where you have wrestled. It made me think of, um, as, I, as we were thinking about tonight, uh, when, when Gabe signed up for jiu-jitsu. And I'm going to throw Gabe out there. Um, but we had several conversations about the prospect of him getting in better shape and things like that. And, of course, I threw out jiu-jitsu as a great way to do it. And one of his thoughts beforehand was, well, I'm going to go for a while and I'm going to sit – and I'm going to watch until I can get a grasp. That way I don't have to endure a lot of suffering when I actually get on the mat. And I had shared with them, you can watch it for 12 years. You can sit and go to every class for 12 years. The moment you step on the mat, you are going to wrestle just like you would have if you would have never watched it in the first place. Right? And so that's kind of... That to me, that kind of shows a good example of what we've gone through. We have gone through a process of wrestling, right? And everybody has to wrestle it for themselves because you can't. When we talk about loyalty and convictions and pledges, right? You guys remember that process that we went through as a family. When we talk about that, it was because Yahweh was preparing us for this upcoming day season. And not just the upcoming day season. But he's preparing us, I mark my words, he's preparing us for things that the world is going to throw at us, right? The level of trial, the level of tribulation, the level of affliction, the going after the church, right? Those type of things. Um, you know, there's no, there's to me, with what happened with the coronavirus, right, the false crown, with what happened with that, that was just to see how people were going to respond to it. And there's going to be more of that. Yeah. Whether it's in that degree, way, shape, or form, or whatever, there's more of that coming. And so not only is Yahweh training us on how to wrestle and how to step out on our own conviction under pressure, right? A lot of the pressure that we've experienced is with our own relatives, Right. Our own family members. When you start saying, I'm, I'm not celebrating Christmas anymore, not because somebody told you, but because you have a conviction, like Derek said, you own it yourself and you find the fact that we are in in engaging in religion that Yeshua engaged in. It demands that we honor the father's instructions and we celebrate what he celebrated. Right. When you really wrestle with the word, you begin to find out what things are valid and what things are not. Yeah. If I sit on the sideline and I provide commentary on two guys wrestling on the mat and I just say, hey, Gabe, do this, do that. It's easy for me to do that. Yeah. But if I'm actually wrestling, I might find out that everything you're saying on the sideline has no validity to my wrestle right now. Right. 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 So you guys are wrestling, and when you say, I'm, I choose to no longer celebrate this, I'm going to honor this, and somebody wants to provide commentary on the sideline because they haven't actually wrestled, right? It's easy for you confidently to say, thank you, but I'm, 
I'm focused on on my objective and what I'm going to do that I know works because I've wrestled. Right? So there's a there's a transition. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, if, because I also don't want to make it sound like you're in this alone. It's just you and your own right. opponent. So if anybody starts coaching you, you don't need to listen. But think about it. If you're, if you are, this is not jujitsu. But if I'm on the red team and they're in a green jersey, totally not jujitsu, but I'm just saying. And the, and the green jersey coach starts telling me what I should be doing. I have to discern what voice is coaching me. But if somebody who wants me to be an overcomer and has been with me through the process and has trained me, I'm going to be listening for that voice, especially, or let's say it's the audience or the naysayers. I don't know which side they're on or who they want to win. How do I know if they're telling me what I should be doing? So it's not, it's not that we don't want to listen to somebody coaching, but we want to have discernment on what it is that we're listening to because there will be many voices. I mean, I, Personally, watching my story, even just going public recently, I will have, you guys will be floored at the level of arrogance of text messages and emails telling me what I can and cannot do because I'm in leadership. And I don't subscribe to that concept at all that I am so far removed from life. I don't even know how to begin talking about Like I don't, I don't even, you can just, you can see where the gap begins to spread. Yeah. But in the beginning, when that coach is telling you what to do, it can get very, should I be, should I not? What should I, you know? And so you really have to have that discernment of what it, what is coaching you and what system you're subscribed to and what right. they're trying to coach you through. Right. Now, if somebody more experienced who's, who has engaged in that wrestling, like you are presently engaged in, if that person's coaching you, great. Right? If it's somebody who's coaching you who has not engaged the way you're right. engaging, you're not going to subscribe to that. Right? Um, and it's interesting. If we look at Yeshua, right? he lived our life. He lived life just like we did. Just like we do. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emulate what he did and what he showed and what he's coaching us is that you can walk a life of liberty in the law. Right? But I want to read uh, John 6, 38 real quick. Actually, I'll start in verse 35. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have seen me. You do not, you do not believe Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone coming to me I will never reject. Verse 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. Right? And so let's go to uh, John 14, verse 6 real quick. It says, The way to the Father's house. Yeshua said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It says the, he is the way to the Father's house. Everything we've been talking about, all these things are like puzzle pieces that are coming together as we step into the day season. Apostle Paul was like an adoption agent. 
he wanted to take Gentile orphans mm -hmm. and make them sons by giving them away to the father's house, mm -hmm. right? We embrace the loving instructions of the father because that's the way he raises up sons. Think about the biggest lie ever told is concerning the law, period. At the end of the day, period, is the biggest this lie is so detrimental to say we're no longer under the law. It is so detrimental that you could make a religion about Jesus, who is the way to the Father's house, but all you're embracing is the way and not the end result, which is the Father's house. Okay? If we, basically the dynamic that we've dismantled over the course of the night season by exposing the lie that we're no longer under the law is that we are reestablishing that he actually is, we are actually going to engage with Yeshua as the way back to the Father's house. If we simply make our religion about Jesus and that's it, right? Not saying he's bad, not, you guys get what I'm saying. We're going, we're going halfway, mm -hmm. right? We're going to the point of being lukewarm. We're, we're going from cold to lukewarm. We're going halfway mm -hmm. to say that the religion that has come about, that we've all, it's been a system that we've all began to walk out of. We're embracing the way, but we're not embracing it fully to get to the Father's house. That'd be like if I give you the keys to the car and I say, your destiny, your destination is to go to Chicago. And I give you the means to do it. I give you the vehicle to do it. I say, Gabe, here's the keys to the way that's going to get you to Chicago, which is your ultimate destiny. And you take the keys and then you just make your, you make everything about the car right. and not about the destination that I was, that I purposed for you. Right. Yeshua is ultimately he was sent by the father as a way through which we gain access to the father's house. Right. So as we're dismantling this lie about the law, we are. It's almost like uh, when it talks about in Isaiah 61 that the, the ancient uh, roads would be restored. It's like we're restoring the pathway. We are not restoring it, but by pursuing what the Father's doing, the pathway's being restored to the Father's house. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 But if we continue that we're no longer under the law, we make our religion about the vehicle and not the destination. Mm -hmm. Right? Because the law is about being restored to the Father's house, right? We talked about blessings and curses in Deuteronomy 28 and how blessings and curses are a mechanism to be rightly aligned as a son in the father's house okay so those those scriptures are important to realize that we have and i don't know if you guys uh were in here when i said it but in general what has happened since yeshua's time to christianity as we know it is that it has gone from engaging in the religion of yeshua to making our religion about him so instead of focusing what he's focusing on, we're focusing on him alone, which is not the fullness of what Yeshua called us to.
So I just I wanted to read those scriptures to just make the point that he is a vessel to something, right? And he never claimed to be, he never claimed that it was all about him. Every time Yeshua spoke, he was pointing to the Father. I'm under the Father's authority. The Father sent me. I'm doing the will of the Father, right? You can only get to the Father through me, right? Every time he spoke, it was about the Father who sent him. Right? Yeshua never says, make a religion about me. His whole life was to show that he's the way. Followers of the way, and we're following him to where he's going. Right? He wasn't the final destination. So I want us to think about that in terms of the night season, that we have that whole dynamic. We are pursuing truth in such a way that it's like, we're being restored to that place that we were originally intended to be, which is engaging in the religion that Yeshua engaged in. Right? And it sounds crazy, but Yeshua is not our religion. Right? His religion is our religion. Yeah, right. right. Which, you get what I'm saying. Which fundamentally we know yeah. this past year has been the final, the greatest lie, but it was years ago when we were just demolishing holidays. One of the first things was that he never says, can you please honor my birth? And that is one of the greatest foundations to the system that says, but we have to. But he never points to himself in any way. He always was pointing towards the feast which were already established before he even got there. Everything about his life is about his travel to the, to the feast. Everything about his journey has, has everything to do around the, the Hebraic calendar and the feast. He never says, okay, now can you guys stop the feast and just focus on myself? Because ultimately that's what religion wants to do. Can we stop looking at kingdom and focus on myself? But he never did that. So the another so so meaning we know this, but it's crazy right, to say right, it because right. we've been tackling this ever since we started talking about just holidays. Right. But it would be like the analogy of the vehicle of not just saying I'm going to make everything about the vehicle and forget the destination, but actually taking it a step further and saying, and I'm going to use that vehicle to say, you know what? I don't care that my father wants me to go to Chicago. I'm going to do whatever I want because I have a vehicle and I have the keys and he doesn't have to be a part of it. So I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go to California. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately right. what it's not just, <laughs> oh, I got a cool car. Because at the end of the day, at some point, salvation does do that. And it's okay to just yeah. sit in that car. Right. Yeah. If that's all you can do is just be like, I need Yeshua. You just sit in that car and you stay put because you're honoring that. But at some point, he's like, okay, can you turn the keys on? Because there's yeah. more than just the vehicle. Yeah. But what we did was we turned it on and we're like, cool. There's some power in this. I don't need the Father's instructions anymore. I'm going wherever I want. And we're using, like yeah. we used Paul, the vehicle to do whatever we want. Yeah. Right. And that's what ultimately he's talking about when we say, like, it's not about him. Because, of course, it's all about him. But if we follow him, it's all about him pointing to the Father, not all about him in the sense of we're just staying there. So it, so it makes sense in order to fully understand that statement that we have to understand the Jewishness of the Messiah and the Jewishness of Apostle Paul, right? Because if we understand that 
his religion was meant to be our religion, we have to know what that is. The religion of, of Jesus was not Christianity. Christianity as we know it was not his religion. To point to me in the word where Jesus said, I'm the first Christian because my name is Christ. Tell me where Apostle Paul says, I am beginning a new religion called Christianity. In fact, tell me in the scripture where the followers of the way said, we are Christians. Tell me where they identified themselves as Christians. Right? So we have, we have we have to understand this I'm I'm telling you guys, you guys will have interactions with people where you will be fully prepared to confidently and soundly engage in a in a discussion or a conflict with somebody over these things and and you will watch as they machine gun the indoctrin the, the generational ingrained things that Christians say and you can say something so sound as let's read Matthew 5 the entire Sermon on the Mount where Yeshua says this verses 17 through 20 let's read the Great Commission and the final thing he says that you are supposed to do and it's like it'll just it's like it doesn't compute that's why we had to go through an entire night season we've had to walk Yeshua has really been bringing us to this place over the last decade yeah and it has taken if you could if you could take the the last decade and how hard and intense it's been and just drop it on somebody in five minutes they die (laughs) they would die right like If Yeshua told us 10 years ago, this is where you're going to be in 10 years, and this is all you're going to have to go through over the next 10 years, we would have been like, I I don't know. (laughs) Right? I mean, ultimately, we do it, but it's a lot. Um, But in order to understand that statement that his religion is our religion, he is not our religion. In order to fully understand that, you have to understand that he was pointing us on he was he was giving us a way to live the way he lived. Mm-hmm. Right? When when I say that we have to understand the Jewishness, when the Bible says the word Judaism, it actually is referring it's not referring to a religion. Because Judaism as a religion as we know it now was not it wasn't a thing back then. What's happening is they're translating the word Judaism to what it was then was actually Jewishness, which just meant their lifestyle, their way of living, the way of honoring the Father and honoring the appointed feasts and celebrating the things that he said you shall celebrate. Okay? So when I say we have to understand the Jewishness of Yeshua, the Jewishness of Apostle Paul, we have to understand the way they lived their life in honor of Yahweh in order to understand the statement that his religion is our religion. He is not our religion. Does that that all make sense, right? Like Christianity has focused on Jesus. You hear people say, just Jesus. Yeah. Right? And it's like, no. 
I mean, I get what they're saying. They don't want all this other religious stuff, right? As they're saying just Jesus, they don't want all this other religious stuff. But we have to understand that although that's good, the truth is that Yahweh was the way or the, the means through which we were going to be reestablished in the Father's house. Right? Which if we say we're no longer under the law, then why do you need to be restored to the Father's house in the first place? So as we stepped into the night season, what we did was basically we went at the pillars of misconception or what we would call the pillars of misconception, the foundational scriptures that people will point to as their evidence that we're no longer under the law. Okay. The first one we got into was the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, where Yeshua talks about his purpose for coming. For being sent. He says, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Right? And so we dissected that. We we looked at it historically, theologically, scripturally. Right. We talked about what all the modern scholars, how they approach that, and the context behind how they interpret it that way. Right? Which is basically rooted in anti-Judaism, anti-Semitism. All these things, right? We broke all those things down. Then we talked about the Great Commission. Let me just turn there real quick. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We've all heard that, right? We know that. Immersing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh. We know that. We've heard that. Verse 20, though, the last thing Yeshua told us to do as part of the Great Commission says, teach them to observe all I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. And we know how important that is because in Matthew 5, he echoes the Great Commission when he says, I want you to teach the disciples to obey what I've commanded you. He's talking about the Torah. He's talking about the law. Right. So we get we talked about that. Then we got into Acts 15, which is getting into Apostle Paul, which is like, let me, Apostle Paul, this is, it's interesting because Paul has a, a virtual identity as a Jew. And when I say virtual identity, Christianity has propped up Apostle Paul in such a way according to uh, uh, purposes that serve Christianity. It isn't his actual identity. They've created a virtual Jew. And Judaism or Jewish people in history have had a wrong view of Apostle Paul as well. Can you imagine you encounter Yeshua in your life like Paul did and you commit the rest of your life to do some of the greatest work, the ministry of reconciliation, the two houses becoming one, no longer Jew or Gentile, but everybody back in the Father's house the way it should be, right? That was his calling. Can you imagine you dedicate your life and for your legacy is that both sides of the house will forever identify you in a way that was not you. He was known as the original apostate. Right, an apostate, apostasy means you you defect or you betray the side that you were on. Right, in war, 
if I was if I was to be an apostate of America as a citizen, that means I would go be a spy for Russia or something like that, right? An apostate. That's what that is. The destroyer of Judaism, the inventor of Christianity, a self-hating Jew, an enemy of the law. And this is my term, Christianity's house nigger. <laughs> which makes so much sense. Christianity has 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 <laughs> Dwayne. <laughs> Uh, Don't say the R. Christianity has created Paul as a Jew that has betrayed his people. They have brought him into the house of Christianity to serve Christianity and turn his back on the Jewish people. Okay? Like that, how, that's crazy that he did what he did. He fulfilled his calling, and yet both sides of the house concerning his legacy get it wrong. Okay? So we, we got into Apostle Paul and Pauline theology, and that is like you can... There's people that I follow, rabbis that I follow that are 80 years old that have dedicated 60 years of their life to study Apostle Paul because they know how hard he is to understand and how uh, misidentified he is. Right, so everything we've done in the night season, talking about Apostle Paul, is is nothing. All the only goal we had in talking about Apostle Paul was to give you guys context of his Jewishness. Right, the fact that he wasn't the inventor of Christianity, he wasn't converted to Christianity on the road to Damascus. Right, those type of things. No, he said this before, but when we just to cl just to make sure. When we're wanting to understand their Jewishness, he said this, but I just want to highlight it, that we're not talking about the Jewishness that we know of today. Right. Because then people will say, so are you trying to be a Jew? No, I'm trying to embrace the culture that he was in, which is not Judaism, religion, or being a Jewish person today. Because then he wouldn't be, which we really tackled this. I really encourage the last podcast, like Derek said, because we really tackled this. I don't even know if you call it a dichotomy, but this crazy, like, Yeshua was the turning point. But that turning point, I'm trying to think of how to, like, so anything post him, so Judaism now that doesn't acknowledge him is not his religion either, because he acknowledged himself. Right. <laughs> not he didn't point, he didn't say point to me, but he knew who he was and he said I have been sent. So so we're not talking about understanding their Jewishness in the sense that we're supposed to be like Jewishness that we know of today because. Because that house does not acknowledge that he's the fulfillment of the prophecy, whereas we do. But what we tackled last week was that just because we do acknowledge him does not mean that we're Christian. Yeah. Christianity has made the religion that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only thing. I don't remember exactly how we tackled it last week, but we really broke that down, that whole concept of how that timeline do you guys remember what it was we were talking about when Sarah said, Sarah was talking about, she's like, I don't mean to muddy it, but I was like, no, that was good. 
you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I can't think exactly. I'll come back to it if I remember. They were looking for the Messiah caller, and he had come, meaning like they're still looking for the Messiah, but he did come. Yeah, you guys will just have to listen to it because ultimately, what what we're talking about is the is the is the he's kind of like that middle point of two opposing religions, and what he just said about what they're doing with Paul, both houses are getting it wrong. So so they they were looking for a Messiah, he didn't fit the mold, so they missed it. But that doesn't mean that that we're then allowed to say, well, he is the Messiah, and we did get it. So now we can just take this Messiah and do whatever we want with it. So when we're talking about embracing the Jewishness of it, we have to understand that it's during that time that we're talking about, not necessarily today. Because there is a house out there that that believes that you follow the law, and that's how you get saved. And they're still looking for the Messiah. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about Ruach being in us that is saying that everything he followed is possible because we're not following a list of rules, but we want to because we can and we're empowered through him. That's the difference. So when we think about the law, right, it... it it's like we can, as people generally, we can get so much tunnel vision in these issues that we fail to step back and see the, the profound simplicity of what we're talking about. If you just think about being born again, what does it require? Repentance from sin, right? That's part of the deal. You're born again because there's an, there's an act of repenting from sin. Sin is defined in the word as lawlessness. So if you're if you're going from dead to alive, it's because you're going from a state of lawlessness to a state of abiding in the law. Righteous. Like literally. Yeshua was the perfect law of liberty. Scripture says he was the perfect law of liberty. What we what were our eyes are being open to is the fact that right and this is what I'm talking about tunnel vision. You can get, engage in an interaction with somebody and can, they can say we're no longer under the law. You want this, right? And you can all of a sudden that tunnel vision can come back. But we have to understand that he's the perfect law of liberty, which ultimately means he showed us his religion was to honor the Torah, to follow the Torah, the loving instructions of the Father. The the level of deception is so thick that we've all heard that the law kills, the law condemns, right? The law is too much. It's too heavy a burden that you can't carry, right? But but all things, we can do I can, all things, right? except that. Yeah. But think about it. We have a law. We have laws in Arizona. I used to enforce that law, right? The the goal in my mind primarily was not just to hammer people, right? It, so on the side of like a police car, it'll say, 
to protect and serve or protect and serve and preserve liberty or life or whatever, right? The law, the laws that are out there benefit all of us. They safeguard us, right? If you abide by the law, if you abide in the law, you have life, right? If what Apostle Paul talked about that so many people misunderstand is that if you violate the law, then you will be condemned by the law. If you violate the law, you're going to be punished by the law. That's what the law is there for. If you abide, if you live by the law, then you're good. Then you have life. And not only if I abide by the law do I have life, but Jason does. Somebody, I think it was Gabe, somebody was just talking about how one of the laws in the Torah is that you can't let your livestock eat off of somebody else's land. Right? If, if I do that, then I'm going to be condemned by the law. But that law is there to preserve life for the person who owns land next to you. Right? Like, to me, this is so simple. Like, when I would go out, part of what I, the reason why I loved to enforce the law was because it was protecting and preserving life and property. I loved nothing more than responding to a call as a law enforcement officer was because I had the opportunity to preserve life. Yeah. It doesn't feel that way. Right? If yeah, somebody's on the other end of yeah. most of what I do, I'm preserving this person's life over here, but that means I'm condemning you by the law over here. Right? There's justice. And you think about, well, so all the Arizona laws. Well, how can, how can I do that? Right. I mean, because a lot of people will say, OK, well, you know, how, how am I going to be able to do this? Well, that's where the signposts help. Right. Like there's there's you know, we've talked about how Yeshua we I mean, this is one of our first sermons. If you guys remember about that, Yeshua is a guidepost on the road pointing that way. I mean, I remember him like going like this and like you've got a picture of it. It's because he's the, if, if I'm not going to read all the Arizona statutes, so I don't necessarily know all the laws, but I do because there's a post that says don't go right. over the speed right. limit. So there are, it, it's not a matter of, well, you need to make sure you obey all of them. It's more of being empowered that you can because he's our guidepost to teach us how to do it. And he did it. And, and then, and that's where. The candy picking scriptures is getting really difficult the more and more that I see it. Of being able to say, I can do all things through him and I'm going to follow him, but not in this, this, and this. Or being able to be empowered to do something, but not in something else. And being able to watch his life and how he walked, but being able to pick which way we want to follow and what he did and what he didn't do. But again, we have the power to be able to obey those things because there are people that are that help and you know that like the sun all the i mean everything that comes with all of that is there to teach us how to live and to be a part of a culture and be part of a country yeah yeah talking about just picking certain scriptures that serve us in leviticus there's two different areas that talks about now i'm talking about torah leviticus where it talks about homosexuality okay now if somebody says we're no longer under the law then you can do away with that 
So that same person should have no problem with homosexuality in whatever shape, form, whatever, as leadership or whatever in your church. Because you're no longer under that. Now, I doubt... But that's the issue, is there, we want to be under something. So then that's where we find ourselves in a system of man-made rules and regulations that decide what is discernment, what's not, what's of the spirit, what's not, and has caused a massive confusion of judgment of, are you, are you prophesying under the devil or other God? Are you, are you Jezebel or are you kingdom? Like, it's up to this arbitrary set. There, what I'm saying is there's rules anyways. We've all been following them. It's just which ones... Right. Do you know what I mean? It's just there's no consistency. Yes. And so, anyway, just big picture, right? This is what we've been dealing with the entire night season is these dynamics. The, the, the biggest lie and all the problems that it causes when you really play it out or you follow that line of thinking and you don't own it for yourself like Derek was talking about. So I, I want to talk about practically, okay, so we've gone through this night season, and it's still a process, right? There's still going to be these things that we individually continue to pursue after and and find out and discover. But Yahweh had a specific time frame for us to engage in this as a family. And so that time frame is coming to a close, we believe, with the beginning of the day season, and so part of this, I feel, is our ability, like Derek said, to teach it. In other words, we should be able to practically articulate our identity and our beliefs, right? Because we should be able to do that for ourselves, but then we should be able to be a witness of those things to other people, right? And we should be able to do it humbly. Like, I want to make that point that we're this isn't a... Um, well, we know better now, right? Because we all had to exit that system, right? right? So we should be in a humble place where we can, we can honorably and lovingly and humbly articulate our identity and our beliefs that we have worked out and wrestled with throughout this whole night season. Okay. Now I wanted to talk about like, what is that? What's an example of that? What does that look like? I know that um, somebody might say something as simple as, well, do you even believe in Jesus? Yes. Right? We, you will be we, we don't need to get all caught up in like, like this, this is how I would answer that question. I, I believe in Yeshua, the one that many call Jesus. You call him Jesus. I call him Yeshua. We believe in the same person. Right? I would say I believe in Yeshua, the one many call Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah, the one many call Jesus Christ, right? I, I believe in him. If, if somebody I didn't know and they were only in passing trying to talk to me for five minutes, dropping a sideline commentary on my wrestling and saying, hey, are you a Christian? I would just say, yes, I'm a Christian, right? Like I, I'm just gauging. Their, their context, if you say no, would be a lot more than a two-minute conversation. So you have to right. understand where they're at and why they're asking, unless it's for a different reason. Right. So you can see how you can you can make it harder than it is. If somebody says, "Do you believe in Jesus?" and you're like, 
Well, no, but right, like you're thinking of the whole night season, right? right? You're trying to drop like a ten-year walk on somebody in two minutes, and it's just not going to work. I, like, let me put something into because I know that this was actually asked, I think, on Vox, and I don't know if I ever got on voice, but one of the questions that was coming forward was, how do we do this with family? So I want us to just kind of like take a step back. When you got saved, I'm assuming your entire family wasn't saved. I mean, unless you've got a lineage of everyone saved, and that would be maybe different. But I, we're in the same situation. It's just on a different side. So you have to navigate it. So like I've, like I've heard, like, well, what are we saying? Does that mean that my family isn't going to heaven? Okay, when I got saved, I had to navigate family dynamics with people who were not saved. And I didn't necessarily just come into a situation and drop my entire encounter and explain everything of what church culture was doing to get them out of out of um, sin. It's like it's it's almost like it's the same dynamic. We're just dealing with it on the other end. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, don't make it, I'm trying to not, don't make it more confusing than it needs to or um, harder than it is. Try to remember when you, when you first got saved, if you had family that did not know him, you had to navigate those dynamics within the family. How did you feel? How did you navigate that? Did, was it tormented to say, well, now I'm part of of a system and they're not. And so what does that mean for them? I'm, and at that time, I know for me, what it meant was, was that I needed to do some work. It's the same thing versus looking at it as uh, de um, decapitating or stopping us. It should move us just like it did when we first were saved and we were dealing with anyone who had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah. So that makes, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, this this balance that you guys, these positions that you guys will be put in, is what Apostle Paul. That is the place he was put in. He was having to he was having to reconcile one side and another side who are co at complete odds, and try to bring them to a place, trying to adjust their positions to a place to where they could be unified in the Father's house. Right, and and you we're going to be put in those positions where you're having to operate in the ministry of reconciliation and recognize there's a gap between where I'm at and where this person's at. There's a gap between the system that I'm operating in, we'll call it a system, and the system that they're operating in. Right, and I have to reconcile that, and that's a ministry for me. Right, it might be wrestling for them, it might be provoking or offensive to them. But we're operating out of reconciliation as a ministry, right? So you have to see yourself as a Paul who's been given the ministry of reconciliation. So for me personally, I have family who are straight-up atheists, like straight-up atheists. And I have family that are straight-up Calvinistic we're the chosen, we're the only ones going to heaven, and we don't need to preach because it's already ordained, like that kind of Christian. On both sides, 
I get to step in as a Paul and it's we've got to bring both houses together. So my point is, is if we stop at the wrestling of what does this mean for my Calvinistic brother? Right. And then I'm dismissing my other brother who's completely dismisses anything kingdom and is bold about it. I mean, that's his that's his religion. That's his that's his conviction. So it's it's like it's almost like it's an advantage because before in my story, in in my self-righteousness, I was on the Calvinistic Christian side, maybe not ever Calvinistic, but whatever. I was on the Christian side in my righteousness, judging homosexuality, sin, all that lifestyle. Right. And he's over here judging the Christian side. This is an honor that he's taking us out of the world system and the religious system and saying, look at both. They're both wrong. How can we bring them together? Does that make sense? Because either way, there's a battle. There's someone in your life that's lost. Right. Lost to whatever. Either way, you're in that battle. But this is an amazing vantage point to be able to come out of all systems and actually be able to say, just Jesus or be in love because we're focusing on something completely outside of what the world or sinners is looking at Christianity saying, this is nuts. I don't ever want a part of that. And then you've got Christianity being like, well, this is the only way or you're not going anywhere and you're, and we're not getting, we're not getting anywhere. So what's happening is he's taking us out of all systems, bringing them into his system. The ancient pathways are being restored to where both can be restored. So again, to just kind of be encouraged that even though there is that wrestling, there always has been. Anytime you step into a new culture, a new family, a new, me just yeah. leaving Tucson and coming to Flagstaff and having a family, that, that there's always going to be that re- that wrestling. But to try to take it as a place of what Paul was doing, to step into that place of honor of what he's doing for us, to be able to reconcile anything in the first place. Because mm-hmm. if you're just on one side or the other, we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Now, your wrestling out your conviction is paramount because if you if we enter the day season and you attempt to reconcile anything without your own conviction, all you're going to end up doing is man pleasing. If you try to reconcile with no conviction, you're just going to cater to this side, cater to that side. There's no conviction to anchor you in the truth. Which is which is a lot of what mom is talking about. We're we're so we're so um, concerned about not being subject to the law, but we'll man please all day long, <laughs> right? What good is being free from the law if you're just going to be a slave to man pleasing? Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. A slave to something. Regardless. So another thing I wanted to talk about as we enter the day season is we we entered the night season saying we don't know. And we did that for a purpose, right? Because there are things that we've learned or heard or walked out simply because somebody else did it. Not because we had our own conviction, but because some guy told us, some pastor told us, that's the way my parents grew up. That's the way I'm going to do it. That's the way I grew up. That's the way I learned it, whatever. Christianity's been around for 2,000 years, so it can't be wrong, right? All this weird thinking. And so we had to say, we had to come with a posture of, I don't know, so that I can displace all of that and make room for what the truth is, okay? 
as we enter into the day season, there's going to be a necessary change of posture, humbly, that you do know. Now you know. I'm not saying now you know everything. Okay? We're not saying now we know everything and everybody else is wrong. What I'm saying is be conscious of the change in posture that now you do know the truth because you've wrestled with it. Now, do you know the full outworking of the truth? Do you know the, the, the full picture and the fullness of what that means? No. Let me give you an example. Matthew 5, right? Before you go try to reconcile with anybody, reconcile it within yourself. What is Yeshua saying in Matthew 5? Did he fulfill the law or did he abolish it? It's only one of two options, right? Wrestle with that for yourself and develop your own conviction before you go trying to uh, man-please somebody else. Figure out, before you're concerned with your, your relative <laughs> salvation or whatever, what is Yeshua saying? What did he say? He's the one we should look at. Right? Forget Apostle Paul. Forget everybody in the Word. What did Yeshua say his purpose was? Right? He was pointing us to his religion of fulfilling the law and the prophets. Right? You have to reconcile that yourself to develop your conviction. Look, I don't care. We're, we're not here to make any of you agree with what we're saying. Right? A good teacher wouldn't do that. I'm not here to just say, this is what you need to agree with. We're just presenting what we believe to be the truth, right? So that we can all wrestle with that as a family. This is what Yeshua said. I didn't say it. We're not interpreting it. We're not changing it. This is what Yeshua said in Matthew 5. What we're saying you do, you should do, is wrestle with that. Whatever you're, if you come back to me and say, Mike, I'm, I am fully convinced that Yeshua said we are we he did away with it, it's no longer valid. I'm good with that. If you're if that's your conviction. But to take it a step further, okay, let's see let's reconcile that then with the rest of the word. Like let's see how does that does that is it consistent? Does that make sense? Does that line up with the Great Commission, right? That's the process we should go through. Like I would rather have somebody convicted one way or another. So then, because that's a starting point that we can actually move from. So, as we enter the day season, I, I don't, I don't want us to be so gung ho about we don't know that we continue in the day season. We've done, we've taken the time to dismantle and displace our old belief system. The we don't know posture was for that purpose. Entering into the day season, I don't want you guys interacting with somebody who says we're no longer under the law, and you go, well, I don't, I don't know, like a like a false. Yeah. That's not that wasn't the purpose of that. Yeah. The purpose is to is to understand our role in the Father's house. The purpose is to understand Yeshua as the way, right? The way to obtain life. So I don't want you guys to continue to assume that posture. Continue to be humble, yes. But don't continue to assume the posture of we don't know because that was to fulfill a purpose for the night season. Right? When you enter these interactions, now you do know. 
right? You do know Matthew 5. You do know Acts 15. You do know Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You do know the Jewishness of Paul. You do know the Jewishness of Yeshua, right? We, you know all these things. You do know the blessings and curses system. You do know that God's goodness is to provide a curse as a mechanism for you to be restored in right relationship with him. You do know that. You do know that he cursed Apostle Paul so he could be a son in the father's house to adopt other people into the father's house. You do know that. Right? So there's a posture shift. We have to understand like our posture and what the purpose was. The purpose was to dismantle the old belief system so that he could establish the proper one, which you do know. Right? As a starting point, you do know. So I wanted to say that as we enter the day season that we're not stuck in this false humility thing of, well, I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't come back to me when somebody confronts you on something and say, well, I just I didn't know what to say. You know what to say. Yeah. You know how to handle it. Maybe you're just not as, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you guys should all handle this perfect, right? It's all, it's all um, a process, right? Yeah. But the but but the truth is in there. That's what I'm saying. Right? The truth is in there. Whether you need to learn how to dispense that, we all do. Right? And that's why I kind of wanted to practically give some examples of like you know. I mean, we've been accused like you you have renounced the name of Jesus. Well, well, I mean, literally, kind of. Right? But. But I'm gauging, is this person just dropping their commentary and they're just they're just dropping an accusation on their way out, right? I'm not, I'm not going to try to explain to them, right? But if somebody, this is the other thing that gets me, those same people that are accusing us of being lost or, or backsliding or renouncing our faith, what does the word say that you should do about that? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm a brother in Christ and I'm backsliding or I'm in error, yeah. what does the word tell you who supposedly has it all right? What are you supposed to do with me? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to come to me and say, look, brother, this is the error that you're in right here. Right? And we're supposed to be able to have a conversation out of love. Right. And then if I still don't agree, you're supposed to bring like a brother and your, or two or however. Right. You're supposed to come with more people to show me my error, the error of my ways out of love. So if somebody's just like, oh, you renounce the name of Jesus and they just continue and go tell five other people about it. Right. Like that's problematic. But there's going to be times where we have to gauge how to respond if somebody's like, listen. I see your thing on Facebook. I see you're celebrating. Like, are you Jewish now? Like, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to be like, okay, let's yeah. have a conversation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but some of the things are, are simple to address. Like, you don't even believe in Jesus anymore. Like, who's Yeshua? Or, or it doesn't matter what I call him. Right? Or whatever. Like, there's, there's going to be times where I think there, those are easily... Those are easily resolvable issues to where you and that person can come to a place of understanding. They can understand where you're coming from relatively easy. Um, 
but I wanted to leave some time unless you wanted to, uh, unless you had anything or else or wanted to take it a different direction. No, the only thing I was just going to add, just to point out what Derek said in the beginning about the being taught a roadmap. So day season's coming. Night season wrestling doesn't necessarily mean it ends. Yeah. You know, daytime means, for our family anyways, not that this means daytime, but really just that practical discipleship moving through everything, meaning that the way, let me just interpret, the night season in the Hebraic calendar, I envision it as like dreams. A lot of the Hebrew months are about that. Uh, there's a lot of vision, a lot of um, knowledge through the heart comes. When you wake up, you got to work out your dreams, right? So it's kind of the work. You're, you're getting up for the day, in a sense, which is Pesach, which all makes sense with the day season coming, Pesach, and everything that the door opens with all of that, which we're going to be getting into. But it's like you, you're in the night. Some deep things have been implanted. And then you wake up, and you got to work it out. So that roadmap that Derek was talking about, when I say wrestling, I don't necessarily mean like we've been doing, but more of as you're, as you're walking it out throughout the day, then you're, you're going to just be wrestling in a different way. So I just wanted to remind you guys that that roadmap is there. So even if you look at, you know, when it says uh, in the Great Commission, Yeshua says, and, and teach them what I have commanded you, right away it would be like, okay, well then what was it that he said only? Right. right. Not anything in Leviticus. But the reason why we don't know that what he said is in Leviticus is because we were taught we never had to study Leviticus. Exactly. Right. Everything he said is referenced. I mean, it's in, I mean, just a very, very practical study. In your Bible, it will have, if he tells you, if he ever says that I command you to do this, and it, it'll be attached to a law in, um, in the Torah that says I command you for all of the generations. When there's a commandment, it will be attached to all of the generations, meaning it's not circumstantial and it's not for just right now. It's for all of the generations. When when Yeshua's speaking, he's referencing Torah every single time he speaks. Even when the disciples are like, well, which, which one's the best one? And he begins mm -hmm. to say, this is the most important. It wasn't a random idea that he said that the most important is this. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't just come up with a cool idea. He was referencing the Torah and said that that was the most important. Yeah. So everything that he tells them is referencing everything that he knows about his father. So when you're reading through that roadmap and you're trying to figure out, well, what did Yeshua command? You know, we've talked, I mean, this is in, in the teachings as well, but we talked about like, well, the top 10 commandments, or those are the only 10. And trying to figure out in the scriptures, where does it say only those 10? Because when Yeshua references the most important two, they're not even in the top 10. So why would he say you have to love your brother? And that's not in the top 10 commandments. But it's not like he just came up with a cool idea and thought, you know what? You should love your brother. That is in the Torah. So he, so he's basically giving these, um, and the reason why I say that he talks about the most important two is because the way that I view that is it doesn't mean those are the only two. Like he's right. not saying those are the most important two, so all you have to do is just love your brother and, and, and honor you know, the father. Those are the two that hinge all the rest of them, meaning you've got to get that in order to be able to, to handle everything else like those are just the most important in the sense that everything hinges on those he was again he wasn't saying those are the only two so 
just again that roadmap as you're working it out there are going to be things that are going to come up and just remember those little things that have been taught on, on how to look at Paul, how to dis dissect it, how to look at Acts, what was going on during that time. I didn't get into this teaching during the night season, but I really wanted to get into Galatians where it says, don't let anyone judge you for new moon festivals and feasts. Because Christians will use that and say, honestly, I don't even know how to teach it because I can't, I can't read it the other way anymore. <laughs> so it's hard for me to teach on it. But basically Christians will say, I'm, you're not... How do they say it? I literally can't read it differently anymore. They use that scripture to say, you don't need to be, don't let. You don't need to be Jewish anymore, basically, right? Like, you don't need to. Right. It's as if. Don't, don't let, basically, don't let Jews judge us for not doing the feast. Don't let anyone judge you for your food. So I can eat whatever I want, right? Yeah. We've taken that scripture that yeah. says, don't let anyone judge you for the fall feasts and new moon festivals because you don't need to do that anymore. When you understand who Paul was talking to, it's actually the complete opposite because he was talking to the Galatians who were in a pagan country. Jews would not be judging them for doing the right things. He was saying, don't let those pagans judge you for your new moon festivals and your food because it was the pagans that were saying you're supposed to eat pig mm -hmm. and they were starting to not to they were starting to not eat it because they wanted to follow the laws and so paul was encouraging them don't let them judge you for the new things you're getting into anyways when you go there and you read it it's everything is like completely flipped. It's almost hard for me now to teach the other way because that is a huge scripture that Christians will use that will say, I'm not supposed to be judged for that anymore because I'm not under that. But that is misinterpreting what Paul was even saying and who he was talking to and why they would be judged. It doesn't even make it doesn't even make sense. So we didn't even get into those type of teachings, which we were going to get into. So just know there is, like you said, scratching the surface. There is so much to unpack uncover and be able to get in deeper if there's any questions about anything there's just a lot yeah so that was that was it um so with the with the coming of the day season and this is something that i've been praying for and pursuing and asking y'all for probably three to four years now is we've been going through this process of what we are not so what are we then and the simple answer is we're we're followers of the way, right? That's what the early church was. They were they were Jewish followers of the way. There was also Gentile followers of the way. But like we said, Apostle Paul was concerned with their their initial uniting with the Jewish community. So there he didn't overwhelm them with the entirety of the Torah. He just said, these are things you can't do if you want to mesh with the Jewish community, right, to honor that. But once you start to engage in with the Jewish community, right, just like the Bible says, if you have the Holy Spirit, it will cause you to follow the Torah. So he knew that that was something that was in store for them. Um, and that's not abnormal, even Christianity, you know what I mean? We, we, we would preach that. You're not supposed to get clean to come in the house. Right. Just come in the house. Right. But then there are some things where it's like, 
you're going to come in the house, there's like some obvious things you wouldn't do. But then once you're in the house, you begin to embrace that culture and you learn wrong from right and all of that. It's the exact, yeah. it's the exact same thing. So I'm, I'm excited because I, I, I feel like Yahweh's put, he's, he's given me the words to put on paper of this is what our family is. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is what it is. And it's kind of, and I, and I hesitate to call it like a belief statement because that's, you know, every church has like their, their um, creed or their belief statement. And as we talked about before, the single common thing that they leave out is the Jewishness of Yeshua's life. They talk about everything up to that and everything after his death, but they leave that out, right? And that's a lot of what we're acknowledging. So I'm excited about that. Um, but I wanted to, we have a little bit of time if you guys had any questions or examples of interactions you've had with people where it's concerning, like, what do you believe or who are you? You know, what the heck is going on over there or whatever. Go ahead, Regina. So what do you say, how do we explain why we don't call him Jesus? I know you, taught, you guys taught on that one time, but it's been a while since I've heard you guys explain where does the name of Jesus come from and why do we not call him that? Um, so there's, there's, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do practical, I'm going to do spiritual. The spiritual side of things is that there is an aspect that some people will say, well, his name, that's just his American name, and that's just what we're calling him, and it doesn't matter what we call him. There's an aspect that, like, in this in the spirit, where if that's what if that's where you are when you met him, you're in America, there then then there's this there's this concept of uh, you're a new believer. So it's okay. But at some point through maturity, we should learn what his, what his, what, what, he, what his real name is. For example, I think I was just telling you this, Derek. So let's say I adopt a son from Africa. And he knows me as Miss. Miss Time. And, and that's just, but out of respect, that's just all he knows. But once he's in the house and he begins to grow and mature, I would hope that he would know my name. So there is this there is this spiritual side that some people will say, well, it doesn't matter. And in some regard, I understand what they're saying because it's this, he knows my heart. But at some point, once you know you know, then there's a there's a there's almost like a, a pressure of maturity that would begin to identify him the way the kingdom identifies him and not leave it at well, this is just all I know. That's the spiritual side. The practical side is, um, well, there's a spiritual practical that I can do, and then I can do the practical. So his name in Hebrew is Yeshua. 300 AD. His name in Hebrew, like his name Jesus? Like his name. Or just his name. His name is Yeshua. Like his mom called him Yeshua. In Hebrew and in the Greek, it is pronounced Yeshua. Some people say Yahashua because he's a type of Joshua, but the actual phonetics is Yeshua. His mom called him Yeshua. His name was Yeshua. 
What happened was the Roman culture at that time, their god was Zeus. Okay? So when the, when the Romans said, let's bring our cultures together, just like Christmas was already a Roman uh, tradition, what? Festival. Festival. <laughs> it was already a holiday. But then they were like, oh, we could bring these two worlds together. See how Satan imitates? So we're going to bring these two worlds together, so we're going to make it a Christian Roman thing, and we're going to blend the two. Well, their god was Zeus, but all of these uh, followers of the way, their god was Yeshua. So they decided to make it Jesus. So they changed his name, the King of Kings, to Jesus so that it would make both cultures happy. Zeus could be involved and Yeshua could be involved. So his name was then in Greek, Jesus. Then English, then English translates Jesus literally, not Yeshua even. Jesus is not even a, a translation of Yeshua. It's a translation of Jesus. In 1500 AD, the English language comes out with the J sound. That's how far removed it is. That Jesus then is a translation of Jesus 1,500 years later. So it is an English translation of what they were calling him then, but they really changed his name even before then. Another way to say it was, that's only three times. It, English is actually seven times removed. So there's the Hebrew, there's the Greek, then there's Latin. There's, there's seven times removed. Then you get the English version of Jesus. So when, when, I tr when I explain it to somebody, I'm saying I have gotten to a place in the relationship that I, I am digging at what his name really is and not a seven times removed translation. But I want to know his name because there's no reason why we can't know the names in the Bible the way that they were. So that's kind of how I'll explain it. Did that answer did that answer your question? Well let me get let me add one more thing before your question. So when we talk about the original or the authentic and we're talking about his actual name, it makes me think of like like Dwayne restores cars, right? If you're restoring a car, you're you're restoring it to its original state as it came from the factory, right? You might do a whatever resto mod or whatever, but if you're going to restore a car to its original its original intent, like it came out from the factory, right? The thing with Yeshua and Jesus, or like, no, Jesus is fine, would be like restoring a car, restoring a Chevy, but putting a Ford engine in it. To you, that would be like, you don't do that. Right, but somebody else who's looking at the car who doesn't know, yeah, they might be like, "Hey, it sounds good, it looks good, it rides good, it's all, all the same. that, everything's good." Right, it doesn't really make deeper. a difference. Yeah, but to somebody deeper. who's actually about the original restoration of the car, they're gonna even make sure you could even have the same engine, the original engine, but the numbers don't match. That would probably drive you crazy, right? See. That would drive, if it was an original restoration, that would not be acceptable. So how can we, with something like that, we can hold such a, a, yeah. a discriminant standard, yeah. right? That's all, all we're doing, like she said, we understand, but at the same time, 
we're pursuing a standard of restoration that it's like if that's what his name was, that's what we're going to call him. So that's uh, that's just kind of where we're at. And just to add, you know, when people say, well, we're in America, I, I still, there's accents that they're not going to call me Susie. Like, it's like a complete, like, according, I mean, I know Jesus and Jesus kind of the same, but Yeshua and Jesus are just so different. And the way that you get the, the um, not the interpretation, but when you look at his name written, and, and again, remember his name means salvation. So his name is actually in Exodus. Or the Red Sea is. So that that word is in there, and you can look it up in Blue Letter Bible, and it'll play for you. It says Yeshua, because the way that the Hebrew letters are, you just read them out the way that his name is. So that's how you get the pronunciation. So, yes, there is an aspect of, like, well, this is just a translation of his name. But I do think that there's something about the original intent. Names are so important. So Elizabeth is another one, right? So we have Elisheba. Am I saying that right? Is from Elizabeth. But they didn't call Elisheba Elizabeth because that's not her name. That's like an English name. So she didn't call her Elizabeth. It's Elisheba because there is something about the power of that original name. And it would just be like if I, if, if, if Yahweh is telling me that Jalen is Jalen, I wouldn't want his legacy 2,000 years from now to be like, there's this great guy and it was... Yeah, you know what I mean. So there's and what? But here's the thing. But as a mother, there is intentionality with his name. So when the angel said that you are going to be impregnated with the, with salvation and gave him his name, it's almost like a dishonor later to be like, well, this is comfortable for me. Because I am. If somebody decided, well, I like I like I like Jalen's name different. For me, there would be dishonor if somebody, now granted, if there's like a, if you've got a cute name for him, that's something different. But like if somebody's like, I'm not calling, it's not comfortable, I don't like, I mean, I did have that. I don't like Kaya. I don't like the name Kaya. It's hard for me to spell it out and see it. Well, that doesn't mean that in front of me, so I'm just thinking in front of the father, what that feels like when someone's like, I'm just doing it anyways, or I don't want to know why you named him or stuff like that. That's kind of the spiritual side of things, too. So, we get like cliff notes, <laughs> To yourself or to yeah, other people? Well, myself, well, I'm going to give it to my parents, like, just so that I don't have to try to figure it out. Well, well have you wrestled it to the point where you have the conviction yourself? What? His name. About the law, let's say. Or no, his name. His name. Yeah. So you would be able to explain it. If it's in you, you would be able to explain it. But Cliff Notes are Roman culture messed up. That's not what his mom called him. Roman culture came in. Mick Zeus in there, seven times removed. English gets, you know, the J, you could say it that way. The J did not get, the J was not created until 1500. Okay. So obviously his name was not Jesus. So even if it's as simple as that, then you're not trying to convince anyone. 
you know what? I've got a revelation. The J-Sound didn't come till 1500 AD, so clearly that's not his name. So for me, I'm in the middle of just figuring it out, and I'm wanting to figure out what his mom called him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could be as simple as that. Like, the English language wasn't there, and I'm just trying to, like, sometimes I'll tell people, I'm just studying the Hebrew, so I'm starting to learn the letters. And so, because I know it, I'm using it. You can even just say that. Go ahead, Rebecca. Rebecca. Go ahead. I think you guys said it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was the question? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> was it about his name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to add in there, like, if you go to another country and you want to learn how to speak that person's that language, so a couple of thoughts. I've had a few thoughts about this, and it's not probably my own wrestling. One is like the, the whole like cultural, it's a, it's a language. So at first I was thinking, well, what does it matter what we call them? But then I did think of it that way too, of like wanting to make sure my sons were called how I would want them to be called, you know? And so, and then I thought about it also of, well, why would I judge somebody else because they call them Jeshua or I want to call them or Yeshua, and I, and they want to call him Jesus or whatever. Mm -hmm. So why would I judge them? Because if that's their level or capacity of an encounter with him, mm -hmm. who says that that encounter was not real? Right. right? And right. so that's where, like, because I know I've encountered him. But at that time, sure. I didn't know to call him Yeshua, right? right? Mm -hmm. So sure. I, like, that's what's been going on in my mind of, like, well, then did I even encounter him because mm. I didn't even know his name? Mm. You know, like, was that even real? Like, those are some questions that I've had inside of me, but no. And I am all about, me personally, just to be transparent, I'm about the experience in my encounter with him because that that that's like me having a relationship with you guys here and that's real to me and yes I have to I, I'll be honest I haven't been in the word as much as I should but those experiences is right. what has kept me yeah and so that is what has kept me believing that he is still real and still faithful to sure. me through everything I've been through yeah mm. so um, but now I'm seeing myself where I'm like, okay, now I'm hungry for the work because I need to back up those experiences right. with him. And so, um, anyways, yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, I think it's good because those experiences, it's like, it's like when I, so like that adopted son, right? I'm me, whether I'm miss, I'm Tanya, I'm mom, I'm B-word, I'm still me. And those experiences are absolutely real. Yeah, right. And where we are as a family is just getting to a point of, 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 like what you said, where you're getting in the word to solidify those experiences to say, okay, this is real. You know what I mean? And that's, that's ultimately what is happening because it's not about even knowing him. It's about like if you're, it would be like if you went, like you said, if you went to another country and you were there for, three years at some point you're going to honor right that country and you're going to begin to try to learn that language right. but the experience at day one when i knew nothing 
is still an experience. Yeah. But as you grow in that culture, you begin to learn more that adds to your experience. It's not in, in opposition to that experience because you were you were in that country. It's more of like, wow, I didn't realize this restaurant was called that. You know what I mean? Because you're living there and you're in it and you get to, it, it, like for me, some of my first encounters were only with him. And then all of a sudden as I'm growing, it's like, oh, there's life in heaven and there's beings and there's things that are, it, it, but, but that doesn't dismiss that my first ones that might have been very simple or not simple, but I just mean like one dimensional doesn't mean that that wasn't real. It's just, it's like he's adding to it. So I think that that's awesome to be able to know. I mean, that's where it talks about, but it talks about moving from glory to glory, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. And so, Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love that because I think that that's what's so hard when other people are watching. It's like, why is there judgment on me growing in maturity? It's just moving from glory to glory. It's just other people will judge that future glory, you know, and not necessarily knowing what it is that he's doing. So that's why it's so important to, as we step in the day season with the confidence of knowing that we remain humble right not to because it is that ministry of reconciliation that you would never want to cut off or be a source of severance where you could have been a source of reconciliation yeah. right like i would never i would never get in a conversation with somebody and be like oh you call him jesus you know what i mean like you would never you would never operate like that right it's just cuz you ultimately it is glory to glory, right? And we're all in different places and stuff. And so, yeah. Well, and I was also thinking, like, it's it's weird. I'm sorry, but it's weird. <laughs> it's weird to say Yeshua. <laughs> it is weird to say Yahweh because I didn't have that experience with him in those things. Mm -hmm. And so... I've been waiting, and maybe it's maybe I'm overthinking it, and maybe I'm over analyzing to where. And so I'm like, okay, God, well, you're gonna meet me. You're gonna meet me at Yahweh's. You're <laughs> you're gonna meet me at Yeshua. Like until I encounter you that way, then that's what <laughs> yeah, it is. And maybe I I'm sorry, I'm just being real. That's mm -hmm. where I'm at. Yeah. And awesome. so, but at the same time, I respect where you guys have come to an understanding or met him that way. Um, there's not there's not any yeah. So I'm new coming into all this, but at the same yeah. time. There's not going to be a place of judgment mm -hmm. because of where, yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe I, I just need to just do it. I don't know. <laughs> but, well, I think it's yeah. a powerful thing to say. Like I'm going to wait till you encounter me that way. Like <laughs> uh, when you said that, I was like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I got nothing to say. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything to that. Yeah. I'm only this much further ahead than you. Okay, okay, now we're racing or what? No. I thought every time you said yes, you sound like somebody was sneezing or you're blessing for sneezing. And it was because I did not. It was the same time. But I still go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that muscle memory. You know what I mean? Okay, so let me let me just share a little bit about God, right? When we say like God. God is like saying doctor. 
it's a title, but it's not his name. Right. So, but well, it's so normal for us in our when, the way that we grew up was that it's God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. And so some, so it's just a, so even just asking for an encounter of give me who you are, you could, you could, uh, Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Rapha, right? All, I mean, we've studied his names. Yeah, this is not weird. Like I have, Jehovah yeah. yeah. Nisi, Jehovah Nisi is on his arm. No, it's right here. Oh. <laughs> I was like, it's a wrong one. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it's maybe it's just not pronounced Jehovah. You know what I mean? It's Jehovah yeah. Nisi or, you know, and, and, but there's power. I know for me, just as a, if you're looking for that encounter, for me, I'm very uh, teacher minded and study. So I just began to look up Blue Letter Bible instead of the English, because the English is constant. Unless you have a different version, the English is constantly reiterating Jesus. So, you know, obviously, if, if I am introduced to a movie character that's constantly saying Brandon, 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 in my encounter, it's Brandon. But he's going to come to me as Brandon because that's what I'm being taught. Sure. So so for me, I would go into just the Hebrew letters. I don't even know the way it's pronounced. I would just look at the letters, and I would actually start encountering the letters because there is so much power in yod heh vav -Hey. I mean, his name isn't even really Yahweh. It's yod heh vav -Hey. We just, in English, honestly, that's even we wrong. <laughs> we add the vowels. Yahweh yeah. isn't even his name. His name is yod heh vav -Hey. It's a breath. Yes. yod heh vav -Hey. I mean, if we... We want to get weird. <laughs> I can stop sneezing. <laughs> because his name is not, that's why the Jewish community won't even say it. Because yeah. you say his name, and we flip it like God, God, you know what I mean? But it's like you encounter yod heh vav -Hey, and you start breathing that in, and you start encountering just stuff. So it's just there's power. There's power in. So it could just be, like you were saying, that word. Could be just getting in and looking at the, looking at the letters and just seeing it differently, beginning to be introduced to a character. It's like when you've watched a movie and he's Brandon, but then you find out his real name. Yeah. <laughs> but in my dreams, I'm gonna meet Brandon. <laughs> but it's still him. But if but if all of a sudden I start getting to know the cast and the behind the scenes and they start calling him as his real name, I'm gonna be like. It's going to be like, well, that's not who you are. But eventually I'll start to be like, oh, okay. And then you're around it more. And then, then your encounters, at least that's what happened to me. Then the encounters began to match what I was learning. So it's not wrong if the encounters are that way because that's what we know. That's what we've been taught. Yeah. This was just to, like, add to the analogy. But um, I know specifically, like, in Korean culture, a lot of people that, like, come over that they, like, have an English name. Um, and I saw this a lot, like working at Chick Fil A. Like we'll be like, "Oh, hey, what's your name?" And they'll be like, "Well, my English name is Sam." And so, like, they'll actually like they'll have like a version of their name in English because, like, it could be because like you don't want to like sit there and try to spell their whole name. But like, um, I just thought like I just thought like you're like not knowing the like person fully because you like you're getting their like English name. And I was like, I was always so annoyed that I'm like. I was like, just give me your real name. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I always felt so like, like you can know a person as like Sam and then like know them and like their friend comes and like calls them a different name and they're like, that's their name and you're like, mm -hmm. their name is, and like, yeah. so like, that always annoyed me. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and it's interesting to hear the heart 
was that you wanted to know them because they were doing it out of convenience. Well, it'll be easier for you to not have to deal with the hard, how hard it would be for you to get to write my Chinese letters. Which is like I always. You know what like, I mean? So you're seeing the compromise in that, and you're seeing past that. Yeah. You know. I had a. I mean, I think I've shared this before, but a personal experience where one of the most powerful times or revelations in my life about my identity, like my on my mom's side of the family, her last name is Montero, spelled M-O-N-T-E-I-R-O. One of the most powerful things to me was when I, my uncle was showing me documents when their family came over to Ellis Island and they couldn't pronounce their name, so they changed it to Montero, right? And that, and their actual name is Monte Arroyo. And it was just like powerful to just be like, wow, like that was the original, you know, like that. And then even behind that, mm -hmm. you connect with like the origin of where that name came from. Whereas Montero is like, it's, it's there, right? Like you can see it, but I would have never- The heritage stopped at America. Yeah. yeah. I would Monte have never Arroyo, guessed. Monte Aurora, Arroyo. Arroyo. <laughs> Monte Arroyo actually linked him to his Sephardic Jewishness and back to the Portuguese culture. But that would have been cut off if he didn't have that original name. It would have just been American. And I, I this is terrible. Jew and but Gentile. It, but that name. Black and white. That, <laughs> and here we, we are. <laughs> Yeah. We didn't know. So anyway, did anybody else have any other questions, like just practical? In my class, <laughs> my teacher was like, you know how they are. They're like, we're doing away with the law. They're, and then he starts, I don't know if it was like mocking me or something, but everybody was like laughing and I was just sitting there thinking. And he was saying, there's stupid rules like, if your wife burns your toast, then you can divorce her, or you can only take certain steps and you're like mocking it. And I don't know if it offended me, or if I just didn't care. I really just didn't care. But I was going to ask you about that because that doesn't make much sense. Because why would like his laws be if you take too many steps, you have to stay in that spot for the rest of the day? Like, I understand that one, but the Burning the toast. Uh, yeah, that, it yeah. Sound, exactly. It sounds like, I mean, obviously we weren't there, but kind of, I mean, it sounds like mockery. Um, but is but it sounds like mockery of the rabbinical law, which. So there is. Um, remember when Padrina would talk about how the. The, the culture would say, like all the rabbis, they didn't want their family to sin against the Torah. Because, right, that there was no, we had no way out until Yeshua. So they didn't want them to break any of the laws. So they would add fence lines by adding another layer of rules and then another layer of rules and another layer of rules. I wish I had a good example about the walking. Well, I do. Torah says, <laughs> like trying to think of one. Torah says Shabbat is a day to set aside and to rest. So, in order to make sure that husbands and wives never broke that law, 
the the halakha, which is like three or four fence lines out, says that you cannot walk with a dirty dish more than three feet. So you're not allowed to pick up your dirt. You're supposed to eat. All your food's already supposed to be cooked because you can't burn a fire. And you have to have all your food. You eat your food, and then you have to leave your dishes. You're not allowed to even carry it to your um, to your sink. And there's even rules, like if a homeless person comes by, you're supposed to serve them. So, like, you have to, like, put the food out the window a certain amount of feet. That's not in the Torah. But the heart behind it was you're supposed to rest. So what happens is, is that's why Yeshua and Paul gets confusing because they do say you are not under all that stuff. So burning the toast and the walking, he's talking about rabbinical law that was trying to safeguard the Torah, but that is not in the Torah. The best way to combat that is to start getting into Leviticus and actually go through the laws. Sean actually just asked about this. If you Google 613 laws in English, so you don't have to go through uh, all the Old Testament to be able to figure it out, it'll just list them out. And he sent out a link that was um, uh, interactive, interactive and it had the circles in it so it would have like love for example and then it would have all the laws that are attached to that and it would have you know and so you could start learning them so when people start saying stuff you could be like that but that's not Torah that's not the law because remember in English law the word law is for all of it all those fence lines are all law so you, we have to search after by the by being empowered because it's written on our hearts what is written on our hearts? Burning toast and not walking three steps? No. But but what is written on our hearts is Shabbat and what that means. So does that, that, does that make sense? So it sounds like it was mockery on the rabbinical law. And when you say I follow the law, that's not the law you're following. Those are all man-made man regulations on top of the law. It would be like you start driving and the speed limit out here on Highway 89 is 55. So I then come along and tell you, in addition to the Arizona law, I'm making a regulation that you can never drive more than 20 miles an hour as a safeguard so that you never violate the speed limit. Well, so like make that's sure not, you don't. Does that make sense? You're free to drive 52 miles an hour and be fine. But I'm going to come along and say, JJ, you can only drive 20 miles an hour so that you never even get close to violating that law, which is what the... The heart was originally with those extra regulations. So Yeshua was coming to say, we are not under those extra regulations right. because I'm going to empower you that you can do it without them. I'm going to empower you to be able to follow yeah. the law without needing the extra regulations. So he was lifting it. That's why Paul says in one breath, the law is holy. And in another breath, he goes, the law is ridiculous because the two laws are two one law are the regulations that say you can only go 20 miles the other law is the the actual law so we have to discern which ones right. are the actual laws begin and we're beginning we're new at this there are some there are some laws that are that i mean the first ones we went over were the feast and the holidays you know those are kind of the main ones then the food laws came along there are some more that are going to come that are going to be a little interesting other than that other than a couple few ones there we're already following them <laughs> but we have to know what those are too for sure uh so he said something like like maybe 10 15 minutes after this is something like something about jews and he was like, is anybody in here Jew or something like that? And the whole entire class looks at me because I'm about everything. They're like, well, that kid over there. No, and he just laughed. He's like, well, and I said, no. And then he was like, well, and I was like, no. And which kind of confuses me because how do I, 
because I'll say that I'm Hebrew, mm-hmm. and I won't get too deep into it because, like, yes, I'm not going to pretend or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> like, so. Here's a scripture they will know when they're like, "Is anybody Jew or whatever?" And obviously, it's a Christian school, so you just need to say, "I'm neither Jew nor Gentile." <laughs> just stop there. Yeah. Because they know that scripture. Paul says it all the time. Neither Jew nor Gentile. So when they're trying to put this like, are you guys Christian? Who's Jewish? And they're trying to put you in a box, you need to just say, I'm neither Jew nor Gentile. Yeah, but then they I'm neither. The entire school See, has that's... a joke going on that I'm in a cult. We're going to be dealing with that, so you've got backup. So, so another another thing on that. So you so you honor the feasts, right? Yeah. And people will associate that with your, well, you must be Jewish. But in the word, when Yahweh said, honor these feasts, he said they're my feasts. He didn't say they're Jewish feasts. Right? So, yeah, it's... But that's hard. I mean, then you got to get in. We've talked about this, being able to get into either setting up a private meeting. It's hard when you're in the middle of the class and you get called out like that. But... Just tell them that they're not doing a good enough job for you not to be in the <laughs> what are the states? Say, throw back Tell them you're not doing your job as a Christian. I have like one little question. This is true. There's that brotherly. Like, if you're sitting, then let me come to you, not say you're a saint worshiper. Right. I have like one little question. Go ahead. So. I just took a test, I think it was Thursday, Tuesday, and one of the questions was, I just left it blank, usually on the, these kind of questions, I just leave them blank, because I don't really want to have a discussion with my teacher, because he's very hard-headed, and does not like other opinions, but it was like, what sets apart Christianity from any other religion in the world, and Oh no, on this one I wrote, I wrote something like, they believe that they're the only religion that has a certain whatever, whatever, whatever. I was like, there's more people like you guys. That's basically what I came down to. So you're not different than any other religion in the world. So, just what do I do with like those kind of questions? Yeah, well, the whole, the whole system we're talking about, right, is is going to hone in on what you just said. As in, like, no, you need to understand, JJ, because you don't understand. Like, what you're saying, I'm not saying to you right now you don't understand. But that system is going to hear what you just said. And that whole system is going to be activated that there's this red flag, right, because we are different from every, every other religion. But... With what we're talking about, you have an understanding that in a lot of ways it's the same as a lot of other religions because there's religious systems. But that's a hard conversation. Like, it would be to the, like, we've heard it not only from you guys, from your family, but other families at FCS to almost to the point to where we're ready to go have a sit down with their staff and say, like, it's, it's bordering, if not already, in the arena of anti Semitism at a Christian school. Like those things that you're talking Which, about. Which, by are, the way, it's a Christian school, but they allow all right. religions. Not exclusively Christian. Right. But. So. But in that so in that situation, what I would do, 
It depends on, and I and I kind of I've talked to you about this. In any in any of our situations when we're in this, we have to determine what our assignment is. If you're if you're getting a great edu education and 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 where you and you're supposed to be there, then you have to look at these test questions in the context of the way I would do it is if if the test questions and the context is to talk about Christianity, then unless your assignment is to demolish all of that, then I would just look at it as if like what he said, well, I'm a Christian. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, yeah. if you're not going to have a full-on conversation and somebody says, are you a Christian? I understand what they're getting at. Yes, I believe in Jesus the Messiah who has raised from the dead. The same guy you believe in. So, it, but it depends on what your assignment is and what the context of the question is. So, like, what, what makes Christianity different than any other religion? Well, it's the only religion that believes in a resurrection death. Like that would be like the educational way to answer. It's the only religion that believes in a resurrected. That's what's so powerful about Yeshua. Is he's the only one that's resurrected. No other religion has anything that has resurrected. So we believe in life. But it, again, it just depends on what your assignment is. If your assignment is to be like, well, like what you said, <laughs> you know, like you're not really separated because everybody, it's not the narrow road. I mean, I get what you're getting at, but it, again, it depends on what your role is in that class. But that's like a really big problem. Exact question. Like, that was one question of like, he said nine. And he said, if you get one question wrong, that sounds like a low B. Two questions, I gotcha. low C. So I'm so already at like a B. Gotcha. Yeah, so I don't know what to do in these situations because that stuff is affecting my grade. Whenever I don't agree with it, then I either won't respond or I'll respond and I'll try to start a conversation. Half of them don't want to have a conversation with me. Right, so right. It's like it goes nowhere. So it's just affecting my grades. So there's a couple things. I would definitely get with your family and pray about what your role is because there's two ways to look at it. It either can say I'm going to stand on my convictions and I'm not worried about my grades because I'm going to be bold. Like I'm not going to let fear waver. Or you have to look at I understand what they're getting at, and I enrolled in a Christian school, so I'm going to understand what they're saying and answer educationally, and then be able to handle it on the back end, meeting with family, being able to have uh, meetings with the teacher, um, administration, so that they're aware of what is happening, if that makes sense. So you're not in it. Basically, what, what I would say is that you, I don't want you to be alone in that. So make sure administration, parents, teacher are having meetings outside of conflict to be able to express what it is that you want to express so that your grade is not being determined on the way that you're talking. Because that doesn't make any sense that they would have a Christian questionnaire for a, a school that says any religion can be a part of this and then have a lower grade because of it. So that's something that I would actually take up with administration. Um, that's kind of how I would handle it. They're not going to listen. You studied the book, you knew what real life was like, you knew what it was like when I go call that kind of stuff. The book was never like anything that you went to on the street. So you learned the book, you took the test off the book, but in the back of your mind you knew that you know, this isn't what I'm going to do mm -hmm. according to you know, practice learning this Yeah. And that's a conviction you have to walk out. And I would just not walk out whatever just whatever you decide alone. Was it, uh, was it Paul that said that when he was with person he was like them whoever I'm with, I'm with. Yeah. 
Paul is all things to all men. Yep. Yeah, it's one of the giftings that he had to be able to bring people together. But he had strategy. You know, it didn't right. mean he was a man yeah. pleaser and he faked it out and was like, I'll yeah, be wasn't like you. Anything. And then, you know, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was Yeah. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.